Hey, hey friends. friends, it's Haley and Nicole. We are Down Home Healing. All right, hi. Welcome hi. to the Down Home Healing Podcast. I'm Haley. I'm Nicole. We have a very special guest today. Um, so somebody who's in my, my spirit family and um, a great friend, it's Jacqueline who is the owner of Indigo Healing Arts Collective in Swarthmore. And um, we're going to talk a little bit today about gardening mm-hmm. and what questions you might ask a friend in passing, like, hey, how do you even get started with something like that? Um, and we thought it would be helpful to share this information in a time now, seasonally, and also that we are, most of us are at home and might be thinking about maybe growing our own food. (laughs) This is a great time to talk about where things come from and how to grow and what you can eat and what you can't eat, what comes back every year, what doesn't come back every year. So I'm very honored to be a part of this creation that you guys have made for our community. So thank you. Well, thank you. I just want to toot your horn a little bit more too, because like, not only are you counselor who holds space for people in so many amazing ways you created indigo for the community in a way to give back truly and fully from your heart and um it's so funny like everybody who comes in it's always like like you're either making your way there or making your way through there and then your feather and acorn project is just so inspiring you you do so much with so much DIY. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so Jacqueline, um, and you can follow follow you on Instagram and find Feather and Acorn. And you do you describe it as art? You do describe it as art, right? My little tagline is forged and refined art that's inspired by life in Swarthmore. So I essentially find these pieces of decayed and forgotten wood that are left on the forest floor and I drag them home and use them to create a plant base to offer succulents in a very tasteful, artful way, I guess, in my opinion. (laughs) So um, it was was birthed out of just a a desire to create something beautiful for our home. And um, I was encouraged to share it with others. So it became kind of a thing, and it was named after my two nieces. Um, Your Feather. nieces are named Feather and Acorn? Yeah, in my oh. heart. <laughs> no, that would be way, way cooler, but they're like my, their soul names are Feather and Acorn. My, my <laughs> oldest niece, um, who is now six, I guess she was probably th- four when I created Feather and Acorn. She's like a sweet little angel from heaven, like a little mm. feather that floats through the sky <laughs> and like kisses your nose when you're out enjoying nature. And my other niece, who's her younger sister, um, she's like the acorn that hits you in the head when you're trying to take a nap under a tree. <laughs> so they're very different. So this is a kindred hippie aunt. If you listen to our first episode. Yes. (laughs) So much hippie aunt energy on our podcast. We always love to bring it back. Yeah. So wait, getting into plants already, 
I have a really hard time keeping succulents alive and you're telling me they can grow Mm -hmm. on wood. Is this what's happening? (laughs) (laughs) So, um, succulents don't need a very deep root base, essentially. Um, they're a little different than tillandsias. We know them as air plants. Have you heard of this? You know the air I've plants. I've heard of air awesome. plants. I haven't heard of a tillandsia. That's a really fun word. That's their, that's their I guess, Latin name. Okay. So they kind of have like curly Q like tentacles that come off of a root. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the air plants are the ones that you like spray, right? Yes. Their leaves collect the water. They don't need a whole lot to attach to. So they have some roots that come out, Salantias, air plants, that kind of hang off trees. And um, they their seed head is spread through the air, like other seed heads are. Um, I'm not an expert on Talansias, so this is really just sort of plain <laughs> of what I understand this world to be. But, su- but succulents um, are very forgiving plants. So I know that people say they have a difficult time keeping succulents alive. And maybe it's because they're given too much attention. <laughs> um, yeah, they they're hold... a big lesson in not being an overcarer. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> yes. So they hold water in their in their leaves. So they also don't. That's why they don't need a lot in their root base succulents. But they mm. they don't require a large deep plant vessel container like other plants do that root deeply. Cool. So. Um, I created it to be a little bit more manageable for people that aren't as comfortable with growing their own plants or hosting their own plants or raising their own plants in their homes. I always think that it's a great way to introduce the plant world to your home or to your spaces is through succulents and tillandsias. Cool. But we didn't plan to talk about that. That's just like a whole side thing. Well, I mean, that's a stepping stone, right? I always like killed aloe. I could never keep it alive. And then my partner's mom moved and she gave me all her plants and now I've got three succulents and I'm like okay I'm only gonna think about them once a month (laughs) and maybe it'll work (laughs) it's doing okay it's doing pretty well so far and aloe doesn't need all that much light right or do succulents need light like what do they need they're pretty I mean they they like light filter light is okay um they'll also tolerate direct but they do require some love from the sun and from human. If, you, if you're a human mm-hmm. parent and you are raising plants, like talk to them, touch them, mm-hmm. make them a part of like how you greet your space every day. Like, hi. I mean, I've heard a lot about talking to the plants and <clears throat> playing music for them and like all of the love that you would offer all other living things. Um, but I, it wasn't real for me until... like 2010 I had this baby pumpkin that I got like you know around Halloween and every morning I would sit with my tea and I would talk to my pumpkin and I would hold it and I would kiss it (laughs) and I like gave it a lot of love every morning and that pumpkin didn't rot for a year and a half it Ah. was crazy I mean it wasn't connected to a stem Mm. it wasn't like growing in a thing but like it stayed the bright orange color it didn't get soft it didn't get mushy for like a year and a half, I was like, this is a magic pumpkin. <laughs> and it was, it was crazy because my parents, I studied abroad after, and I gave them the pumpkin to take care of. And then they mailed me the pumpkin all the way to New Zealand. And it was still fine. It was crazy. And then it rotted. Um, <laughs> and then we realized, like, you're not really supposed to send organic life 
to other countries because it could be invasive. So then we had to burn it after it passed. But this pumpkin lasted like two years on love. <laughs> That's so sweet. It was great. But I've read studies where people where um, there are plants just like humans that um, live a longer and happier life when humans engage with them versus the opposite when they're just kind of there. Yeah. And so um, they help to keep us alive. How, how, you know, energetically, how are we not drawn to help them in that process through mm -hmm. talking to them and loving on them and making them a part of our life cycle? Yeah, totally. So plants are very much my grounding force in life. And in, in this current um, worldly unrest, they have really helped to balance me. And um, my relationship with all plant life has really deepened in the last several weeks. It's always sort of been an undercurrent of who I am and, and how I feel connected to the plant world. But um, now more than ever, I am just celebrating every day the joy that emerges from the earth as they grow bigger and greener and happier and yeah I'm definitely a plant nerd nice. <laughs> I could take tree hugging to a whole nother level <laughs> but it's so nice what a way to like you said ground and connect than just like physically being in in nature it's really beautiful mm -hmm. I love that so for new plant moms and dads and parents, yeah. um, <laughs> other than succulents and air plants, like what would you suggest for right now? Like I um, am a co-owner of a space that we want to make a garden of like pickable food. And I'm like, what do I, what do I plant right now? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad that you asked that because right now, um, strawberries would be a really beautiful addition to whatever you're creating in your outdoor space. Ooh. Also fruit, fruit bushes like blackberry or Ooh. raspberry, um, gooseberry, everything is kind of leafing out right now. So those might be really nice plants to bring into your outdoor space, Haley. So like plants that already have stems and leaves or like seed packets? So I'm glad you asked that. <laughs> I think that um, I personally have found it challenging to grow from seed. Um, there are a lot of variables in that. And if I grow from seed and I start early, uh, meaning I can't grow from seed outside because the conditions don't permit for that. Um, once they grow, they'll create, you know, they pop their heads out of the soil. And then I think, okay, they're, they're, they're showing me that they're ready to expand. They want a larger root base, so they move them outside. And mm. they seem to attract a lot of visitors, meaning the overhead birds or squirrels or that sort of thing. Because they're so tender and um, infantile in, in their life cycle at that point, they're very vulnerable. So what I've noticed is it's easier for me to start with plugs or starters. And um, for people who are local to our area of like Swarthmore and media, really Delaware County, the best place that I find to get starters is Wolf's Apple House in Middletown. 
Mm -hmm. They have a wonderful selection of everything that's ready to be planted outside right now. That could be like a little field trip because they're, they're also doing curbside. So you could mm -hmm. like call them and ask them what they have and they could just do contactless pickup at the curb. Yep. Pack, pack you up a little order Ooh. and pick it up curbside. Yeah. Really fun to just wander around there too. But I like, for me, I get overwhelmed when I look at the plants. I'm like, oh, too much. much to touch. <laughs> well, strawberry plants sort of grow um, like vines and they come back every year which means that they're considered a perennial. Perennial oh. means the plants come back year after year, um, as are raspberry, blackberry, and gooseberry. They're all considered perennial. Those are the ones that I mentioned. So you don't have to go out and buy new every year. And strawberries are abundant. I mean, they'll, they kind of attach and root into the ground wherever they grow. So they grow long and they grow almost like these tendrils, mm. and then they latch into the ground and spread like a ground cover, and they produce. Man, wow. I totally messed up. I grew strawberries in a hanging basket. <laughs> and oh, yeah, it, it did, I got like four strawberries uh, total. And then it did come back the next year with like two strawberries. And, and now it's done. <laughs> I really want to grow them. How much, um, so <clears throat> how much light would they need and how much watering would they need? how much space, like, do they grow? Like I have mint that I put in last year and that's just like really easy and just, it's hardy. Yes. Um, is it that kind of deal? What's the level of care? I would say strawberry is resilient. I think that they're, they don't require a whole lot. Uh, they do like to be in direct sun to produce fruit. So, but they'll grow um, as a vine if there's filtered light, even, um, even some shade but to produce and be abundant in the fruit that we hope that they give to us for the reason of why we plant them, they'll want to be in the sun. Cool. Um, and then if it feels thirsty outside to you as a human, then your plants are thirsty. So give them a little water. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. If you're um, thirsty, they're, they're thirsty. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Huh. I love it. I love it's like this intuitive approach too, which is, um, which is really nice. Well, don't you feel like this is such a time for us to really tap into that inner guidance system, like our own intuition? Plants can teach us to do that as well. Mm. You know, really, what is it that I want? What is it that will feed me in every way? Feed me physically, feed me emotionally, feed me spiritually. And plants can help guide us through that. I feel like sometimes my plants... It's like when you meet someone that thinks totally different than you and you're like fascinated and you're like, whoa, you're so analytical and like love spreadsheets and that makes you feel secure. And then I look at my like snake plant and I'm like, I would want to water you, but I think that you think differently <laughs> and my intuition is not how you're feeling and that's okay. So I'm going to put it on my calendar that you only like water once a month. <laughs> Some plants, yeah, they got different personalities. <laughs> yeah. I feel like the pathos plants, the like viney ones that I have, mm -hmm. we're on the same wavelength. We, we understand each other pretty well. And then I'm like getting to know succulents and I'm getting to know mm -hmm. snake plants. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm so glad you friend. used that terminology, getting to know. That's so important. That means you're creating the relationship with the plant. And yeah, that that's a very beautiful thing on both ways, on the plants end and on your end. 
So thank you for saying that, that you're getting to know them. It's so yeah. important. There, I had a tulip. So my partner's mom, she gave me all these plants and I had a tulip and it was awesome for the first bit of quarantine because I watched it grow from like just leaves to like, oh, there's a green bud to now it's a pinkish bud and to like, now it bloomed. Mm. But I gave it water and then it like died. <laughs> all the leaves went like yellow and the bloom never actually opened all the way. I was like, I'm so sorry. I thought you were thirsty. <laughs> like, I don't understand. <laughs> so can tulips get too much water? That's what I kind of took away from it. I don't know if that's true or not. Was it in a pot? Yeah, it was in a pot and it had holes at the bottom and I just kind of like did it under the sink for like a few seconds mm -hmm. and let it drain through and then put it on the windowsill. Mm -hmm. And how often were you doing that? I only did it once. Oh, and then that was the result? That was the result of me watering it once. <laughs> that, may not have been, that may not have been human error on your end. Okay. <laughs> I was Sometimes. like, why? <laughs> Tulips um, appreciate a deep root base. So sometimes if they're in pots and they start to bloom in the pot, that means their root is reaching down to kind of expand. It's using its life force to create the bloom because the bloom is what creates the seed that can be pollinated that helps to like feed us as humans. Yeah. So it may have, it may have been time to transplant it. It might just be that. You could probably pop it outside in your garden that you're creating and it would return next year. Uh, I oh. put it outside and then it, I and see then your it face. really died. <laughs> I see your face before you even answered. Oh. Yeah. I also, I don't have a garden. I have um, like a crate and pots because mm. I have a concrete mm. backyard. And then there's this tiny little bit of soil in the front that I put a type of bush that's like yellow that's really common in West Philly. And it's doing amazing. Like it's grown over the four years that I planted it there. But I tried to plant some other things in there, and I think it hits rock when it gets mm -hmm. to the bottom. So, I, yeah, I don't have a lot of, like, just, like, dirt. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. I'm curious about dirt. Um, yeah, I've heard how, scary things about dirt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, how much is it, I, you're saying, so certain plants would need more, and is there terminology that goes with that that might, like, seem like common terminology? And then also, where do we get dirt? So it sounds like you had someone that talked a bit about compost and yeah. it's always nice to offer like a compost material to any um, plants that you're going to bring into your world, whether it's your concrete world or your backyard garden. Um, and there are a lot of options for if you choose to purchase bagged soil. What I would always encourage people to do is explore those options in the most organic ways that you can. Um, you want the soil to be organic because if you're buying organic plants, meaning plants that are started without any um, chemical additives or fertilizers for them to actually produce in abundance, um, that soil matter feeds the plant that feeds the fruit that then we ingest. So um, when you go to bigger box stores that offer like miracle Grow um, bags of planter soil, they'll have little chemicals in them to help the plant produce, whether it's fruit or flower. And um, that's certainly an option for people that maybe want to admire their plants 
and not ingest their plants. But if you're going to ingest whatever you're growing, I would advise to go to like a plant nursery that sells maybe more organic compostable material to start your garden. And um, again, Wolf's sells a great selection of organic material. And so do a couple of plant nurseries in our Delaware County area that I'm happy to share um, now or later. Yeah, we'll put links in when we post it. Yeah. So you can so, just go down and click on those links of those places. Yeah. Um, my friend Danica also told me if you're in the city, like I am, there's a place in Fairmount that's this huge thing of composted dirt. And you can mm. take like up to 12 pounds of free oh. dirt. Yeah, do um, that. They're closed right now, but um, when they open again, I'll ask her for that info and we can pop that in there too. Cause that's how I was going to yeah. start is when they open again, just getting some free composted dirt. <laughs> yeah. So, I think that that's great. I mm -hmm. had a follow up question with that too. Um, just to explain to some folks. So like the idea of not having chemicals in what you are going to ingest is a positive because we don't know where the chemicals come from and we don't want to eat them and bring them into our body and welcome them into um, our body because a lot of chemicals and additives can lead to eventual illness, disease in the body, stuff like that. Yeah, thank you for elaborating on that, Nicole. Ooh, I have a question on that because not last summer, but the summer before I planted like a whole garden in my concrete backyard and I had mm -hmm. zucchini and sage and chives and mm -hmm. the few strawberries. Um, there's something else. Oh, peppers. Mm. And I was eating them and it had like good composted soil, but a lot of the water was coming from like the rainwater in Philly. And then mm -hmm. after that season had passed, I was like, isn't the rainwater in Philly like toxic? Am I eating pollution <laughs> like I was very confused so I didn't do it the next summer because I just didn't know what to think about that I think to to spend your time planning your garden and um, making the conscious choice about where the soil comes from is probably a better investment than to worry about the rainwater and how it's like feeding the plant to grow because really the plant is being fed by the soil. The water is definitely a necessity and the sunlight too, but um, it would be a tall ask to encourage people to use like their Berkey filtered water to only water their gardens. Um, I yeah. don't think that would be realistic for most people. So um, yeah, fo focusing on the soil and wherever you buy your starter plants, you can certainly start from seed. And some people have a lot of success just starting from seed um, as the season starts to warm, meaning we're past our first frost. So that's always a good indicator of when you can move your plants outside and when you can purchase starter plants to put them in the ground. You want to make sure that you're past that barrier of frost, potential frost. How do you know that if you don't have like grass outside? Um, you just look on your weather app. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> Easy. If it gets down to be cold, you know, below freezing, um, we're going to get into some cold weather like today and tonight. Um, I have a few plants out, but I'm just going to, I'm just going to let them know that they'll be okay. I'm not going to bring anything inside, but, um, you know, extended periods of frost would be a concern, but we're not going to be hitting that in this, in the next couple of days. 
cool. So, so it's um, like when you no longer need to wear like a second pair of pants. I mean, I'm doing, we're doing this right now and I have hat and gloves on <laughs> in my house. <laughs> but I like, um, think of yeah, like the okay, frost as like fleece legging time. Like yeah. when do we not wear our fleece leggings underneath everything? <laughs> I'm yeah. a cold person. So I'm like freezing. I would say, um, you know, once you hit like March and April, you know, that's a, that's a good time. Once you start to see stores put plants out that you can purchase to put in the ground outside, that's also a good indicator. Um, but there are some very resilient plants that are in the cabbage family and, the, and cabbage, kale, broccoli, cauliflower, um, and even your lettuces, they can all be put into the ground now, either seed or starter, and uh, will survive a colder night or two. Nice. I'm curious as to how much soil you need. Like, I, I'm, I'm the kind of person that doesn't know measurements, so when somebody's like, get a pound of that, I'm like, what's a pound? Um, <laughs> so if you were going to, like, say you're going to start, like, a a tiny kind of like small box garden and maybe your your soil that you have outside is like a little rocky with other plants in it like would you want to get of this like either the free soil or um the compost stuff that you could get at wolf's or something like that would you want to get a pound a five pound bag is a 10 pound bag too much like what's like um a good like kind of basic starter to give you enough uh, that you need. I they it's not usually sold by the pound. They I mean if you're buying it in bulk oh. they'll sell it by the, <laughs> if it's not in a bag, it'll be a bag. And I don't I don't know necessarily how the bag is measured, but if you order like loose soil is usually sold by like the cubic cubic square. Um <laughs> Yeah, I would end up with Great. Like entire five cubic squares. <laughs> I don't know how to ever calculate that. Um, yeah. If you, I'm either going to get a handful or like a a dumpster full. Like I like what? How much? I don't know. If you're creating something from scratch, like if you're filling pots in your maybe more mm. concrete backyard, I would advise on a couple of bags of soil. Okay. Um, if you have extra, then it gives you more opportunity to create more garden with your soil that you bought that might be surplus. Mm. Um, I always need that. It might be good to have a little bit more than you would like think. Sure. Because then you could always kind of like disperse it or give it to yeah. a friend. Yes. When, I, when I started just without any knowledge, I always had to go back for like another bag. All right. I just, I feel like the, if when I when I was really unfamiliar with like how deep a pot is, mm. I would like do the one bag and it would be like halfway full and I'd be like, oh, oh okay, <laughs> this takes up more space than I thought. These <laughs> mm. <laughs> are like big rectangles, right? And then the pots are like a circular, deep shape mm -hmm. or a rectangle shape, but it's like twice mm -hmm. as deep as the bag is. So yeah, I, I always had to go back for an extra bag or two. <laughs> Yeah, that's a great point. So maybe err on the side of surplus. Yeah. I'm just loving this conversation so much. I saw um, recently on somebody's social media post that they're growing asparagus. And like the asparagus legitimately is just like one asparagus, like sticking mm -hmm. up out of the ground. And me being like an asparagus lover, but always getting it from the grocery store. I just thought that asparagus 
grew together in a bundle <laughs> like that. So I'm like, what? This like random rogue asparagus stuff? Like that's how it happens? <laughs> now I Look at that. And then I'm like, I'm going to need my whole backyard to be asparagus <laughs> to make like yeah. one meal. Yeah. But zucchini, I had it in a little like rectangle crate. And they grew a lot. I had a lot of zucchini. I had more yeah. than I could eat because I don't love zucchini. <laughs> but I had definitely like two rot on the vine and I was like, oh no. So then I was like looking for friends who wanted like little bulbous zucchinis. <laughs> so what kind of, um, so is squash a good one? Like um, what kind of vegetables would be good? Um, well, you're talking about prolific producers, which I am, I'm glad that you brought that up, Kelly, about like tomatoes are prolific producers. A lot of fruit, you know, tomatoes actually fruit. They'll produce a lot of, from one plant, they'll produce many tomatoes. Uh, zucchini is another one. Squash, if given the right growing conditions, meaning it has enough room to spread because squash grows on a vine. And same with zucchini. Pumpkin is the same. Zucchini is the same. But if you're into peppers, you can buy one pepper plant, and they're also very prolific in what they produce. Um, it's not the season for them right now. They all like hot. Mm -hmm. So okay. tomatoes, peppers, your squashes, like the hot, like the end of the season, the growing season. So um, you'll really start to see them produce a lot of, a lot of plants produce in their abundance, those prolific producers more in July. August, and then your squashes will start to emerge probably in, in fall. So think about like when pumpkins, when we celebrate pumpkins. Oh, yeah. Um, they're harvested, you know, in late September, early October, that sort of thing. But um, you plant them. So, rule of thumb is your first opportunity to plant outside, which would be beyond the frost, um, you would introduce into your garden things from the cabbage family, like I mentioned, um, kale, broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower. Um, oh, I think before I'll mention them as we talk, spinach. Um, and then once they can be harvested, so once they produce and they can be harvested, which usually is about um, late, late spring, maybe early summer, um, once they're done producing, you can pop in your hothouse uh, plants, like your tomatoes mm. and your peppers and some of your squashes. And again, you'll see this reflected when you go to pick up plants from a plant store or a farmer's market or something like that. You'll start to see people offering little plugs of tomato plants or little plugs of pepper plants, that sort of thing. And so you can plant them in the soil that's already been fed by the organic material. Um, if you leave your kale or your spinach in the ground and don't harvest it completely, it'll continue to feed the soil. Um, kale, and, kale especially can come back the following year. Um, it does seed. If you let it go to seed, it can be harvested more than once in a year. Um, so you're not growing the squash in the same plot that you grew the cabbage family plants you're planting them in a separate place just you're taking your timing off of the cabbage family plants yeah taking the timing off right okay. so you don't have to remove the whole plant you can leave it there but it like lettuce for example produces 
and um, it might after its first harvest, it might continue to produce or offer you food, but it won't maintain at the same production rate moving into the hotter part of the season. I see. And cool. so when they start to produce less is when you can take a cue from that and pop in, you know, your the, the plants that people think about for the summer, like the tomatoes, mm -hmm. the eggplant, mm -hmm. peppers. Um, and we haven't even talked about herbs. Herbs um, are multiple additions too. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do another podcast on just herbs, my friends. Yeah. I love that. What, what I want to say is that I don't want anyone to ever feel intimidated by the plant world. Plants are here to love us. So, and, and all we have to do is love them back. As humans, as plants, we, we, you know, we all dance on this planet together. And why not work harmoniously? So that would be my takeaway to offer to the community who listens to your amazing, heartfelt, soul-felt <laughs> podcast that um, just get in the earth, get your hands dirty and your fingernails dirty and mm. do it barefoot if you can and don't be afraid of it. There's no reason to fear it. Yay. <laughs> and maybe we can even just close with like a short, like 30 second meditation of just feeling or like maybe visualizing ourselves in our garden. Yeah, our garden to be. Our gardens to be. We're going to do a little manifest. <laughs> yeah, so um, meditation. if you want to just let yourself settle wherever you are and drop your shoulders away from your ears and release any grip on your hands and maybe consider your hands being this place where you're creating from and sending a breath there. And then visualizing all the different colors and shapes and nutrients and beauty and care that you would possibly put into the earth and then receive to be able to feed your family in a healthy and beautiful way. Maybe feeling a little bit of dirt on our fingers and a little bit of dirt on our toes. And we'll take three breaths together. Inhaling. And exhaling. Breath in. Lots of abundance here. And breath out. And then one more together. Inhale. And exhale. Well, I want to thank you all so much for listening. I want to thank Jacqueline for sharing just your incredible wealth of knowledge and your spirit and your energy with us here on Down Home Healing. And um, best of luck to Haley and I as we <laughs> try to plan <laughs> things. Yeah, thank and, you so um, much, Jacqueline. That cleared up a lot for me. I was like very yeah. scared of the acid rain and now I'm like, it's okay. I'll find good soil. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. All right. We'll have you be back, back to talk about herbs. Yeah. Back for part two. Stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. All right, bye, everyone. Bye.